progress. Okay, we're up to the beginning of the Gimel and Aleph. The Gemara had said um, the following shita. The case was that a man gave a woman a mat of, uh, I don't know, hadasim, not worth a shavapruta. She accepted it, but it wasn't worth a shavapruta. So when the Rabbanim said it's not worth a shavapruta, he said, open up the mat, and inside is money. She didn't say she's accepting it, she was quiet. So Rabbah said it's not a good condition. Why? Because when she accepted it, she accepted it from her perspective was mats. And the mats are not worth a shavapruta. The fact that the money was given afterwards, that she was shtika. Because she was not shaisik at the time that it was given, the shtika came afterwards, that is not an acceptance of Kedushin. And what's the proof? The proof is the case of the brysa that we had, where if you give a woman a dollar or a hundred dollars and say, can you watch it for me as a pikadin? She says, yeah, she puts it in her pocket. And then you say, actually, let it be Kedushin. The halach is no good. Why? And she doesn't say anything. She doesn't accept it. She's just quiet. The halach is no good. Why? Because she never formally accepted it. I she's holding on to the money. Shtika. Shtika, not Bishas Nasina, is not a good condition. So to overhear the case of the mat. The Gemara says a very obvious distinction, and that is you're right, the, the Shtika is not a good is not a good kabo. I understand that. But why didn't she give back the money by the case of the mat? The Gemara says outside. I'll say it outside we'll see I understand why in the case of Picada she didn't want to give it back. She didn't want to just throw it at the guy and say, You take it. Because she knew that she accepted it as a Picadan. Right before he said, "Let's be kedushin," she accepted to watch it. So it's her responsibility to watch. It. She can't just throw it at him. She can't, you know. She she has to hold on to it. But over here, he gave it to her. But kedushin, the mat. So even if the money is technically, you know, if she was never officially niskabel, why didn't she give it back to him? The fact that she's holding on to it is a couple's kedushin. How do you compare the two cases? The case of the Hadassim mat with the money in it to the case of the Pikadin. In the case of the Pikadin, the man deposited it to her to watch. And therefore, the reason... So, yes, yeah, she, she never formally accepted it. I Isn't it acceptance the fact that she's not giving it back to him? The answer is no. Sabrashitha says to herself, What if I drop the coins and they're stolen or they're broken? I'll have to pay. So I'm going to hold on to it. But not as a Kabbalah's Kedushin. But Hacha, but over here, Betaris Kedushi Yavinile. The husband gives it to her, Betaris Kedushin. So I understand that, yes, technically she accepted it, thinking it was mats, whatever it is, without the money. Why doesn't she give it back to him? He is a Delay If it's true that she really did not want to, she wanted to decline the Kedushin, Lishnilith, give it back to him. I, he's not going to take it, then throw it at the guy. What do I care? You're not responsible, even if it breaks. You never accepted responsibility. She he tr- she tricked he tricked you into taking it. So the fact that therefore, according to the 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 uh, Rav Hunabre of Yeshua is asking Atayinan Rava is that it's not a kabbal, it's going be a kabbal's kedushin. The fact that she didn't give it back to him. So the Gemara says Paruch Rav responds. Do you assume that every woman knows Hilchas all the halachas properly? Maybe she thinks that if she throws it on the floor, and it breaks, she'll be responsible. Maybe she thinks the fact that she took it, even if it was a bit trickery, and she didn't know that she was taking money, but maybe she thinks she's responsible. And if she just drops it on the floor, or something happens, she'll have to pay. Therefore, the fact that maybe the fact that she's holding on to it is not indicative that it's a Kabbalah's condition. Maybe she's holding on to it because, because she doesn't want to, she thinks she's responsible. And therefore, um, Rav is correct. That uh, it's not a kabbalah's kedushin. What is the halacha? 
Do we assume that she consented to the Kedushan or not? Shalach lei. Anon le shmilei hadar avhuna breder of Yeshua. I never heard this. Atan de shmiluhu, but you heard this. Chushalei. Meaning, I never heard this objection. I thought it was a Kedushan, but you heard it. Meaning, I've, I followed Rabbi, it's not a Kedushan. But you who have this taina that it is a Kedushan, so you should be concerned about it, and therefore she requires a divorce. There was a woman who was selling silk ribbons. So one guy comes and steals a ribbon from her. She says, Give it back to me. If, you give, if I give it back, I'll be Mekadish you with it. Meaning, will you take it as a Kedushan? She took it and she was silent. So the question is, is taking it a Kabbalah's Kedushan? Or do you say, no, I'm taking back what's mine. You stole it from me. It's not a kedushin. Why could she could say, "In shakli vididi shakli," I took what was right. I took what was rightfully mine. It's not a kabbalah's kedushin. I took which was mine. Okay, so it sounds like if someone steals something from a woman and he hands it back to her, it's not a kedushin. But wait a minute. Hey, Sfei Rav Nachman, Rav asked Nachman the following kasha. The Brisa says, "Kid If a man stole, has stolen goods, and gave it to a woman, or, meaning, let's say he stole from a store and handed it to her." Or maybe an extreme case, he took money from her, stole it from her, and gave it back to her. Mikudashis, it's Mikudashis. It is Mikudashis. So wait a minute, before you said it's not Mikudashis because she's just taking what, what's rightfully hers. But over here it says it's Kedushin. So which one is it? The answer is Over there, it's not a Kedushin. Over there, when it's a Kedushin, is where it's Beshadach. They agreed to marry each other, meaning, he says. I want to give you back what's stolen. Will you marry me? And she says, yes, I'll marry you. Okay, then it's a good condition. I'll be here. She was silent. The silence is just taking back what's hers. I mean, that's the point. There's a distinction when it comes to using her stolen items. Whether it's a condition, the distinction is, did you make a shidduchin? If you made a shidduch, meaning you spoke to her about it, and you, you know, and then she agreed, then it's a condition. If not, not. So there's a distinction of whether you made shidduchin before. How do I know there's a difference between whether they agreed to marry each other or not? Titania. The Bryce says, Amr Law, a man who owes woman to a money, he said to her, Take this money I owe it to you. He owes her a hundred dollars. He says, Here, here's the money I owe you. Because of Amr but then he told this guy Shilubai, instead, be Makudish me with him. Bishas Matan if he made the proposal Kedushin at when the money was given, then if she consents, then it's Kedushin. <coughs> but if she doesn't consent, but if after, he already gave her the money as payment. He says, then I want it to be Kedushin. Then it's no good. Okay. Now, what does it mean in the first case that there's a difference between Ratzasa, right? As you're handing her the money, you say, this should be payment for you. Actually, let it be Kedushin. It says, Ratzasa, Mikudashis, Aloy Ratzasa, Enim Mikudashis. What is Ratzasa, my Aloy Ratzasa? Ratzasa Damer In. Let's say Ratzasa means, yeah, she says, I will accept the Kedushin, and Loy Ratzasa Damer Loy. And Loy Ratzasa means no. The problem is, what would be if she just takes the money and is silent? Ha'ishtika, half a Kedushin. The implication is, it's only not Kedushin when it's Loy Ratzasa. But if she takes it Stam, it is Mikudashis. But wait a minute, Vanesni Mikudesha Stam. Then why does the Brysa say Ratzasa Lairasa? Just say Mikudesha Stam. Say Stam is Kedushin. Ki Hasam, just as we did previously, in the previous Brysa. Right? The Brysa, the Brysa we said yesterday that if a person, if a man gives her uh, money to watch and then uh, after she's holding on to it, he says, you know, uh, let it be for Kedushin. So we said, Bishas Matamois, Ratzasa Eloi Ratzasa. We said, it's Mikudesha Stam. 
So, what, 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 it can't be Ratzasah means yes and Loi means no. El in. means she says yes. Loi ishtika. Loi means that she's quiet and it's no good. It's no good. My timer. Why is it not Mikudesh? So we're saying, we're basically interpreting the case. The case is where you owe her money, you hand her $100, and you say, um, as you're giving it to her, you say, let it be for Kedushin instead of payment. Or, I owe you the money, but let this be for Kedushin. She takes it and she's quiet. No good. Why? She says, she could say, I'm just, I'm taking what's owed for me. She, he owes me the money. It's not Kedushin. He owes me the money. What do you see? You see that when a person has an opportunity to take what's rightfully hers, we assume that she intends to take it, what's rightfully hers, and not the terrorist condition. Why is this a problem? We just got finished saying, the Brysa says that if a man steals money from a woman and hands it to her, it's a condition. But wait a minute, you just got finished saying that there's a svara that a woman will just accept what's rightfully hers, not Pateris Kedushin. So what's the difference? The answer is, the difference is Shaduchim. If you made a Shaduch before, then it's Kedushin. If you didn't, you didn't. That's the proof that Shaduchim makes a distinction. I'm sorry. Why is that Kedushin? I, she could just say, I'm just re- taking what's rightfully mine. The answer is, we don't say such a svara. So do we say it or not? The answer is, there's a difference between Shaduchim. Okay. Now the Gemara over here t- changes topics. And it says, When Ravashi had passed away, after he passed away, right after the funeral, again, the Torah was oral. So the Rabbanim got together and they said, Listen, whoever knows Ravasi's teaching, let's let's repeat him. So now we're going to say a few random teachings of Ravasi, one related, one not. The Rabbanim got together to gather his teachings. Some of whom are Rabban of Rav Yaakov Shmeir. A certain Rav, his name is Rav Yaakov. Hachi Amar Ravasi. He said this is what Ravasi said. Amar Rav Mani Kishem Shein Isha Nikles Pachas Meshava Pruta. Just like a woman cannot be acquired through less than Shava Pruta, Kach in Karka Nikles Pachas Meshava Pruta. So to land cannot be purchased with less than a Shava Pruta. See, if a person let's say a Pruta is a quarter, if a person tries to buy land for a dime or a nickel, no good. Wait a minute. Amar Rav Batanya. The Brisa says not like that. Brisa says Afu Bishein Isha Nikles Pachas Meshava Pruta. Karka nikris The Brisa clearly states that karka is able to be purchased by less than a pruta. So, is it possible or not? The answer is Amrlehu. He said The answer is how are you trying to acquire the land? If you're trying to acquire it through chalipin, it'll work because chalipin doesn't have to be shav pruta. So, if using a handkerchief, it could work. If you're trying to buy it with cash, it has to be an actual pruta. That was the first teaching of Ravasi. Second teaching. Anyone who is not well versed in the laws of getting in Kedushin should not have dealings with getting in Kedushin. Because it could lead to Eshesish and other problems. And being involved in getting in Kedushin without knowledge is worse than the Dar Hamabel. As we're going to see. The Pasuk describes, according to the interpretation of Ravasi, the Pasuk describes being involved with Niuf, which is Eshesish, meaning not having an affair with an Eshesish. It means being Mater in Eshesish leads to destruction of even fish. And in the Mabel, it didn't affect fish. What does the Pasuk say? Shnemar. The Pasuk describes the desolation and it says what leads to Chorban, Allah, which is swearing falsely. Kichesh, Ratsoyach, stealing, killing, the Ganav, Gneva, the Noaf, Noaf means adultery, in Yonia Rais, Eshes Ish, Parotsu, 
It breaks all boundaries. As we'll see in a moment, this means it destroys everything. And blood and blood have met. Now, before we get into the actual how terrible it is, this Pasuk is obviously talking about Eish uh, Ish. And it's saying that if you don't know the laws of Gidna Kedushin, which could lead to being Mata and Eish Ish, it leads to destruction. Now, my Masha, how do you know that this Pasuk is referring to even Eishesish, Kedimitagram of Yosef, and as Rav Yosef translated, Moldin benin menashi chavreihoin, they have children with other people's wives, Eishesish, Choyven al Choyven Maisifen, they add sin upon sin. So this Pasuk is clearly talking about being Matar and Eishesish. Uksiv, and what does it say about the next Pasuk? Alkin Techalara, it's the world to be destroyed, and all that inhabit it will be displaced. Even the fish will be obliterated. So you see that being even leads to the destruction of a, of a fish. But when it comes to the the mabal never affected the fish. That it only destroyed the land, the land animals, but not the fish. But over here, so you see this Pasuk, which describes the Averis of swearing falsely, killing, stealing, and adultery, which means Eishasish, leads to the Chorban of even fish. Now the Gemara says, Ema David The point of this Pasuk is to prove that if someone is Mater Eishasish, which is one of the four Averis listed, it leads to the destruction even worse than the, the Mabel. The question is, how do you know that that on its own, meaning the way you're supposed to read the Pasuk, is that swearing falsely on its own can lead to destruction, killing on its own, stealing on its own, adultery on its own, how do you know? Maybe you have to do all four. The answer is, because the Pasuk, the way it's written, it's swearing falsely. Allah, uh, uh, the Pasuk says, it's a Pasuk in Yirmiyah, swearing falsely destroys the land. That's one of the four. So you see that Allah alone can destroy, which means that these four Averis are independently enough to destroy the world. Maybe you're supposed to read it like this. The Pasuk lists swearing falsely, killing, stealing, and adultery. Maybe swearing falsely on its own can destroy the world. The other three you have to do together. So maybe you're supposed to read the Pasuk in two ways, that Allah alone destroys the world. If you're not going to swear falsely, then you have to do the other three. So how do you know that Eishasish on its own destroys the world? The answer is, the Apostle says, It didn't say, With the extra Vav. Right? If it's all together, you have to do all three. It would have a Vav connecting. It says, Meaning, it doesn't say, It doesn't say, Yeah, Parotsu, Parotsu, which is actually referring to having children from other people's wives. Benoyef is adultery, and then Parotsu, Parotsu is how the Gemara is, is, is how Rav Yosef is Metargim. It means having children from other people's wives, which is any day of Betiv Gitnu Kedushin. Parotsu doesn't say Uparotsu, it's Parotsu. Parotsu means that, Parotsu means that, uh, each Avera on its own, because if it meant all three together, it would say Uparatsu. They would have a Vav connected. Okay. Hadi Yasim Kamer, another halacha. Hadi Tnan, the Mishnah says that we know that when a woman is, uh, after she gives birth, part of the Tahara process is she brings a Chatas and an Oila. So the case is, Haisha Shehaviyah Chatasa, a woman brought a Chatas and then she died before bringing the Oila. So the question is, do the Yarshim bring the Oila for her? 
Yaviu Yarshin Elasa, they have to bring it. They have to bring it. Now the question is, why do they have to bring it? You could say, the fact that she owed it, it was her responsibility, it was debt of hers, debt to the Beis HaMikdash, the, the Yarshim have to pay her debts. That's called Shibuda. The money that she's Meshavah, the money that she owes, Shibuda is Deraisa. Says the Gemara, The only time that they have to bring an Oila is when she designated when she was alive. So she officially designated as an Oila, so then it became Beis HaMikdash property, that's when they have to pay. But, but if she did not designate the 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 oila when she was alive, it's just time. It was a debt of hers. They don't have to pay. Meaning, Yarshim do not biblically have to responsibly pay for the debt of the person that passed away. They hold shibuda, which is the debt of the of the of the deceased. Lav de is not biblically binding on the Yarshim. Um, Rav Asi, Rav Yechon, Rav Asi said, no, even if she didn't designate the, the, the Oila, they do have to, they do have to bring the Oila for her, meaning, Shibuda is the Raisa. The fact that she owes the, owes the Oila, the owed, owed the responsibility, even before she designated, that's enough to require the Yarshim to have to pay off the debts. Kisavik, Shibuda, have the Raisa. So it's a Machlaikas, whether Shibuda is Raisa or not, the, this machlekes is related to whether the yarshim have to bring her oila if she did not designate it. But pligi chadasim. The truth is, they already argued about this once before. The Rabbishmul damatavayu. Rabbishmul said, malval pep. If you have an oral loan not written down, ain't a government yarshim. A creditor does not collect it from the yarshim. Why? I they should have to pay because shibuda deraisa. The answer is shibuda's lav deraisa. And also, you don't collect it from people that purchased it. So let's say I purchased lands from John. Not and I and before you purchase it, you look into seeing are there deeds are there, are there are there liens on the property. But it was an oral oral loan, so there's no way to check. You don't take it from uh, the people that bought it. You don't collect it from them in order to pay off the debts because when they bought it, they didn't know about the debt because it was oral. They say no. An oral loan is goyvim A creditor can collect from the heirs. And they could also collect from the people that purchased it. That's uh, according to Rav Yechanan, um, even oral debts, because he holds Shibud as Deraisa. Okay? So it's a Machlegas twice. One is by a, a, an oral debt, and one is by um, requiring the Yarshim to give the Oila to the Beis Amikdash. The question why do they have to argue twice? Tzricha, you need both. If they only argued in the last case, in the case of an oral debt, I say, only then did Shmuel say that you do not have to pay because it wasn't written down. And it's not like the, the, the Torah describes a debt owed to the Beis HaMikdash. Meaning, in oral debt, the two cases where they argue is an oral debt and someone promised to bring an oil to the Beis HaMikdash. I could say that the oil of Beis HaMikdash is worse. Why? Because that is a debt that's recorded in the Torah. The Torah describes owing the to bring a carbon. There's a whole parasha called Baltacher. You have to bring a carbon. That's not just a debt. That's a debt that the Torah recognizes. Meaning, each one, if they only had one, I would not know what they would say about the other case. What's the halacha? If you have an oral loan, you collect it from 
the Yarshim, because Shibudu Daraisa, but you do not collect it from people who purchased the land because they didn't know about it. Govim the Yarshim Shibudu Daraisa, the Lesley Kala, but you cannot collect from the Lukuchas because they didn't know about it when they bought the land. They, uh, you know, they Googled it and they wanted to check and make sure there's a lien in the property before they got involved. There was no lien because it wasn't uh, publicly known, and therefore it's not fair to collect from them. We'll end with the daf with this. The Mishnah describes that a woman goes free, she's single through divorce or death of her husband. I understand why she's single after divorce. The puzzle says the divorce, and then she's allowed to marry someone else. And how do we know that a woman is allowed to get married after her husband died? Maybe she has to, she has the status of an ish forever. So the Gemara says, it's a Svaru. Who also, who Sharsa? She's also because of him. Well, he's gone. The problem is that doesn't work. There are certain Arias that are only because of him, and when he dies, they still say. I'll give you an example. Uh, his ex-wife is not allowed to marry um, his son. Let's say she has a stepson, right? So he had a son. She's not allowed to marry him because it's his stepmother. Even after he dies, it's still usher. I. It's only usher because of him and he's gone, the answer is. Yisurim can last past death. I don't know. It's like, that's not a good svara. So the Gemara says, okay. Well, the source is from Yibam. Right? The Apostle says that when a woman is about to do Yibam, she ha- she's not allowed to marry someone else, she has to do Yibam, which implies that every other woman who's a widow can marry anybody you want. The Gemara says, no. Perhaps, no. It's a very strange Havamina. Uh, Perhaps, when a woman is waiting to Yibam, she has to marry the Yavam, and every other widow is not allowed to marry anybody. Maybe she's only allowed to marry the Yavam. Gemara says, okay, another source. Maybe the source should be uh, a widow to a kaingado, right? We know that a kaingado cannot marry a widow, which implies that every other person can marry a widow. The Gemara says, no. Maybe every other person has a lav. Kaingado has a lav, but every other widow is an assay to every other person. I mean, maybe it's still aser. It doesn't mean it's mother, it's just not a lav. Now, here's the Gemara says, this is strange. You're telling me there's a Havamina that every widow is an Asay. Why would that be? Right? When a woman is married, she's an Ashish. You're saying that the second the husband dies, the husband's death removes the status of Ashish. But it doesn't remove it entirely, it just makes it into an Asay. Why would that be? Like if it's gonna remove it, let it remove it. If it's not gonna remove it, let it stay an Ashish. Like you're telling me that oh, when she's married, she's an Ashish. When the husband dies, it's an Asay. So it's like the death of the husband clearly like erases the Isser a little bit, where do we find such a thing where, like, it was a strong Isser, and then that Isser is gone, replaced by a smaller Isser? Like, where do we find such a thing? Where is this Asay coming from? When the husband died, if that should remove the Ish, it should make it completely mother. And if the death of the husband does not release her, took let her still be an Ish. The Gemara says, wait a minute, why don't you, there's a very it's a very common application of this. We find this. I picked a miss What about an animal that's consecrated, right? When you have a, a carbon, an animal that's waiting to be a carbon, you're not allowed to use it for personal use. You're not allowed to eat. You're not allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to work with it. You're not allowed to shear it. Mikaris bumila, Now, perkinu, let's say it gets a blemish and you redeem it. So the halach is you could eat it, but you can't work it. So it was entirely usher for a lot of things, and then that isser went away when you redeemed it, but it has still has some isser left. So this woman was an ishish ish, and then that isser went away, and he's still asay. So maybe that's a that's the source. So that that that's the situation. So what's the source 
that a woman is allowed to marry when she's a widow. The Pasuk said, we had it, I think, in last week's parasha, that if a person goes to war, we, uh, in Shana Rishona, we let him go back because we don't want his, his wife to become a widow and she'll marry someone else. Oh, so you see that a widow can marry someone else. Maybe the other man is Yibam. Meaning, maybe a widow is never allowed to marry. What does it mean that she'll be a widow, she'll marry someone else? It means she'll do Yibam. The Kamara says, no. Amravashi, base truth is There's two problems with this. First, you would never call Yavam an Acher. Acher means another man. You would never call him Acher. You would call him a Yavam. Void. Siv, there's another Pasuk that says, Usnea Yishacharon Vekasla Sefer Krisus, Oikiyamus Yishacharon. The Pasuk says that the second husband hates her and divorces her, the second husband dies. The Pasuk compares death to divorce. Just like divorce, the woman's allowed to remarry afterwards, so too death, the woman is allowed to remarry afterwards. I will stop here.